You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, welcome back. It is another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast from Soonerscoop.com. And we welcome in the entire gang, uh, Josh McQuistion, Eddie Radosevich, Bob Prisbillo. Everybody is here. As, uh, boy, we are in the thick of it, all kinds of controversy out there. We've got reports coming in left and right about people and, and programs that have uh, that are testing positive for uh, coronavirus, and Texas was the latest one today. I know Anwar Richardson from Orange Bloods was uh, talking about six Longhorn players that tested positive. Kansas State had a couple of guys yesterday, even though they initially had said there were none, but then people came in later and they had it, so... Uh, we've got a big rally going on in the state politically this week in Tulsa. Uh, we, we're still getting the fallout from the protest, uh, coronavirus infections, all that stuff. Meanwhile, Eddie Radosevich still alive. I've, I've won. I've, I've won my battle with uh, COVID-19. Now, have, have you had the follow-up test? I am back test? to living my life like a normal person. Have you had the follow-up test yet? No, because that's no. a son of a bitch in itself. <laughs> so I went down on uh, Monday afternoon, went down to this place that my parents went. It seemed like a really easy in-and-out place down in Chickasha. Get down there, and I guess I kind of explained to them my situation. I you know, obviously was recovering. I feel fine. I need to get a test so I can be allowed back into the radio station to do it from the studio. And they were like, okay. Um, the CDC just came out and announced that uh, urgent cares can't, give these types of tests. So you're going to have to go through the state health department. So, I mean, in a way, I think I kind of screwed myself over by telling them that I just needed the piece of paper to say that I'm okay. Like, I think I could have taken the test and just got a negative and that would have been good enough. But, uh, long story short, came back to Oklahoma city, set up a deal with uh, the health department. I'm not going until uh, tomorrow to get uh, my second test, but I, I mean, I've, I've called it. It's over. I was thinking about this the other day. You have a lot of expensive equipment of ours in your house. Do we have to burn that now? No, honestly, no, because none of it's been opened in a month. <laughs> it hasn't been touched, yeah. <laughs> I've, I actually thought about this the other day. We like, do need to wipe that stuff down at some point, though. Before I, I know. I, I thought about that. I was like, I probably need to like turn this stuff on, make sure it's still working. We're going to be using it. Here in about a week when Josh comes back up. So um, I think I'm going to get into that today. Maybe open up the, the camera case, make sure that the camera's still in there, that I haven't been robbed in between uh, the last time that I opened it and now. So yeah, uh, I'm healed. I beat coronavirus. 
It's really easy if you think about it. Please DM me if you need any advice. Stop it. And I'm I'm telling everybody. This is not making a podcast. I'm telling you right now. This is not making the podcast. It's just going to be a giant bleep. And people are going to say, what did Eddie say? Well, you're never going to find out because he's not allowed to say things like that. Actually, the most uh, intense thing that I've been told all week is Mike Gundy should uh, take a note out of Lou Holt's book and run the program like he did in 1986. I did so. see that. That was uh, that that, that's thing. been my favorite. What does part that of the mean? The, I'm not uh, sure I he was the... trying to say that Lou Holtz would tell players it's his way or the highway, and he wouldn't be afraid to take a scholarship away and give it to somebody else that really wanted it or something. He's basically trying to say that the name on the back. He was trying to say that Chuba Hubbard should kick rocks and and get kicked out of the program. Sure, yeah. I mean, stuff doesn't really change in thirty years. I mean, it's all pretty much the same when you think. Because Lou Holtz totally would have told the nation's leading rusher, "You're out of here." Yeah, yep. Uh, You know, going back to Lou Holtz's, you know, great teams Notre Dame, he'd have told Tony Rice to shove it for sure. Exactly. Tony Rice like tried to quit several times when he was a freshman. And they I mean, babied him back onto the team. I mean, so which that's all bullshit. Yeah, that's yeah. all bullshit about Lou Holtz. It's just this is the this is just like the thing I made fun of last night with the Nick Saban deal. Any player transferring two or three times, we're not interested in him. You have one committed to you right now. Stop with that shit. Stop talking. That's such. <laughs> coaches need to have these lines that make them sound like hard asses, and. Like, just if you would say all that and then at the very end be, unless he's really talented, then you, you know what? You're fine. Clear. All good. I get that you'll make that allowance for a kid that's borderline for you. But if Adrian Peterson's a shithead, every college p- coach in the country is still offering him yes. a scholarship. Yes. Yeah. I mean, heck, Zach Evans is going to play Zach at TCU. Evans, exactly. Yes. I mean, my God. I'm surprised that that hasn't become a thing. Like, there's so many different Twitter accounts. I'm surprised that. Uh, like a coach fact checker isn't out there that every time a coach says something uh, obnoxious, they go back and notes for coaching comments. It'd be the busiest person in the entire world. I guess I just kind of answered my own question. You know who would run that Rob Cassidy, Rob Cassidy absolutely loves the coaching (laughs) quotes of like, we go and talk to the janitor. If the janitor says he's not a good kid, we're not going to recruit him. He's like, no, you don't. That does not happen. I remember the when that blew of up. that is when, when somebody does quote the janitor and then quotes him in a story. I always like that. He's such a good kid. He cleans <laughs> up after himself. Oh, my God. That's happened, too, hasn't it? I mean, front door security, janitors. I mean, a lot of, lot of people quoting people that don't know anything about anything. So it happens. Sure. I think it all ends in fireworks, doesn't it? Okay. Ah. Um, anyway, uh, we'll get to recruiting. Uh, it has been a, an adventure on the message boards lately. Um, I, the Mike Gundy thing tested our, uh, I'm so f-ing pissed about that thread. Uh, still, uh, the Mike Gundy thread went, it was up to 11 pages when I started individually trying to save it by editing things. I know why, why? Karen? Because why? I wanted to, I wanted people to know, like, you can talk about this stuff. You just, you know, once you start like, this is my rule now. Anytime you mention Trump in any post or Obama or MAGA, 
that that post is deleted and that threat is in jeopardy. That's that's it. Like Gary wants everybody to vote for Biden out, or Biden. <laughs> Biden too. Yeah. I've already gotten you guys have seen the crazy DM I got this morning. Um Yeah, there are a lot of racist bastards out there just openly just outing themselves. They don't even care. And they don't realize that Twitter will ban your account immediately. We had one well, yesterday. Uh, and I'm I'm leery of the rate. Like I feel like that's getting thrown around real easy right now. But to be fair to your point, the guy you're talking about absolutely is. And it amazes me how many out there that clearly are and just don't give a shit that everybody knows it. I'm like, how how is that a thing in 2020? Like, I get like that there are people out there and they're subversive about it, but people that are just upfront, like, yep, this is me. This is who I am. I'm like. Okay, man. Like, I mean, I guess I respect the honesty. I, yeah, I kind of admire Jesus. the brashness mm-hmm. of it. You're yes. at least not hiding, and you're not, you know, playing the game. Mm-hmm. But, it, and like you said, this is, the one thing on the message boards that has got to stop is, one, people calling people racist just because they have conservative viewpoints, and two, yep. people who have conservative viewpoints saying that everyone is calling them a racist for no reason, like, that whole thing is the worst thing that's going on right now. Yep. It's it's the it's it's what everything is right now is you have to take an extreme viewpoint. It has to be this or the other. There's no middle and I'm like, "Man, I you know, and I guess I took one on the whole Gundy topic because I, I put up on the board that he's either antagonistic or stupid and I don't know which one it is." Well, I mean, so, he Mike Gundy was literally I mean, he he was a day away from being fired yesterday. Yes. When Gary Burns like when it, yeah. Burns Hargis tweeted and then uh that statement yeah. came out from Mike Holder, you were just like, This could be it for Mike Gundy. One hundred percent. After the Mike and, Holder, there was like a forty five minute period in between Mike Holder's statement and then uh the, the Chuba uh, and Mike the video. video for yeah. Mike Gundy and Chuba, which I think mm-hmm. everybody's calling a hostage video. Uh during that forty five minute period I basically just assumed that Mike Gundy was going to be fired. Gravely, what was the exact quote from Mike Holder? Gravely concerned. Grave, grave concern. Yeah, grave yeah. concern. Like I, and I mean, let's be honest. I, I know nobody's here to hear about it, but we're going to talk about it because it's one of the biggest stories in the state this week. In the country. Like, in yeah, in the country. I mean, it's. I credit Mike Gundy for the steps that he has made in the last twenty-four hours. Maybe he's fooled me. Maybe he doesn't give a shit. But at the same time, I credit for what he's done to make the players in that locker room feel uh, like not only has their voice been heard, but he's listening to what they're saying. And whether you like him or not, or whether uh, you know you believe the his his uh, admission of uh, of of guilt or whatever you want to call it, like I believe that he wants everything to be not back to normal, but I believe that he feels something bad about it. Well, and I've said this since it's happened. I said it on Twitter. I said it on the radio. He's going to have to continue to convince people that he is listening, that he is uh, sympathetic, uh, that, that he is a lot of people that don't, that don't believe what everything said, you know? And, and I, you know, it's just, to me, it's very simple. You have to put people ahead of personal politics. 
I mean, I think that's a message that everybody needs right now. And it's like sure. these people that want to argue like, the oh, this over a T-shirt? Like, I, I, I can't even wear a T-shirt anymore. That's because the mob mentality. No, you can wear a T-shirt. Wear a T-shirt. But Mike Gundy is one of the highest paid state employees in the state. Well, he's the second highest paid. I mean, he makes millions of dollars for uh, leading a group of young men who have differing viewpoints than he does. And his personal politics are conflicting with not just a belief system, but, you know, a, a player's, you know, a, a black player's being. I mean, just being a black person in this country, like his personal politics go against, you know, what their everyday belief system is. So, you know, you can't afford that if you're my Like, you have to lead people. I know we have, you know, people in charge that aren't doing a great job of leading. Like, why would we be having a rally in Tulsa, uh, you know, a political rally when this virus that I know Eddie thinks is a hoax is still going around? But, but still, he has to lead. He has to show people, like, this is about you as much as it, it is about me. I'm here to make you better. And you can't do that when you inject your personal politics that are contrary to or not not in line with, um, you know, a, a healthy environment. Whether he wants to be it or not, he is the face of the Oklahoma State, not just the football program, the university. When you th I mean, when when if you walked up to somebody on the streets, I think people would know who Mike Gundy is over anybody else from Oklahoma State. So he's not he's not just representing the football program. He's representing the university and. I think that's why, like, even even Barry Trammell, an hour before he puts out the video on Monday night with Chuba, I mean, Tramps on the animal talking like he doesn't think he's going to make it through the weekend. Right. Like, how quickly that changed. Uh, but I, I do think that they've they've taken, you know, a, a step in the right direction, Bob and Josh, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, but uh, it's just like we've sort of said before, it just has to be more than what has occurred during the last 24 hours, right? It just can't be these words that are being spoken. You have to see the actions and you don't know how long that's going to take. You don't know what realistic actions he's going to try to make. That would be enough. Cause I mean, when, and I don't even want to go into too much, but what did you think about Gottlieb and all the stuff that he put out there? And you think there's any kernel of truth to that or, you think that was just someone feeding them some really bad information at the really wrong time to do it? To be completely honest, I thought it was kind of f***ing shitty. It was. I, I, I don't understand how an alarm didn't go off in his head that was like, yeah, this looks really bad. Like, you better, you better damn well know what you're talking about if you're exactly. going to put that kind of shit out right. there. Yeah, that's something you need to – I need to have gotten this from three or four places, like, and probably one of the players involved. Like, it, it needs to be that clear-cut. That There's no way you read that and you're like, oh, yeah, this is this is going to play. Like, And I get that if it's true and it doesn't play, that's not on you. That's not your problem. But you better be absolutely sure that is 100% true because you made those kids look like a bunch of little punks, and that's not – and according to literally every OU, OSU player that responded to it, that was not correct and not the aim of what they were trying to do. I think the scary thing about it is, what if he got that from someone close to Mike Gundy 
that is one of his kind of hardcore conservative friends because that then you're then he obviously made it up and that guy's probably a little racist I would be shocked if that didn't come to, from someone of some value around that uh, brain trust, whatever you want to call it. Like, you don't just go with something like that. Doug Gottlieb's not stupid. You don't do something like that just because. Like, you have some reason to believe that's real. And he even had I mean, the it tweet read and like Mike a laundry, Gundy approved it or whatever. It, it read it, it like read a laundry like list of to... stereotypes is what it read like. Exactly. Yep. Sure. 100%. Mm-hmm. And it, it read almost in a way, at least the first time that I read it through, it almost seemed like it came across to embarrass the players. Like, this is it. This is all they, they wanted. I yeah. don't know. It just it rubbed me the wrong way. I, I thought it was kind of embarrassing. Well, because he said something about not joking or no joke. No or... sarcasm. Yeah. No, yeah, no, no sarcasm. That's what it was. No, yeah, no and, and the the thing about the, you know, violence towards women music. Yeah, I'm sure that's what Chuba Hubbard was pissed about. We want to listen to some music that's angry towards women. Like what? What are you talking? That that doesn't. That feels like a wild stereotype just getting pushed yeah. to shove an agenda. And I mean, who's? I'm sorry, but who the f- is 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 pro? You know demanding do-rags in this day and age who's banning them yeah and who, i mean be the better question like it just didn't make any sense well i actually and, and this is only because i i hate the well actually but i did see like an ex-player that was like you can tell something's, something's happened tanks. because right. chuba's in a do-rag right. in this yep. thing like so clearly yep. that actually has been an issue but i mean it is you know like so Maybe, yes, we'd like to be able to represent ourselves like we want to, but that almost feels like they said exactly what I just said. We want to be able to dress and, you know, act and represent ourselves in the way we want to. And someone, whoever talked to Gottlieb was like, yeah, they want to wear do-rags and they want to, you know, like they, they just started generalizing all this stupid crap based on what he said that was a completely reasonable request. Big picture, this was, I kind of looked at it as, you know, obviously there's there's been a whole lot of talk about the t-shirt and, you know, rightfully so. This was a culmination of years, it felt like, of somebody wanting to be able to say something. And, and you know, I guess big picture, I just see it as somebody finally, you know, having the guts, the wherewithal, whatever you want to call it, to be able to stand up and kind of say something to their coach did Chuba Hubbard go about it the wrong way that's you know that can be debated but it doesn't bother me that he made a comment like that and it, honestly it doesn't make it it doesn't bother me that that statement was made on Twitter I know that there's a lot of people you go up to him and be a man about it I understand that people people that play, say that have that have no idea how young people communicate today nobody talks face to face anymore nobody even sure. talks on the phone Oh, I mean, communication I told you guys all the time. Is, Be an adult. Text me. <laughs> I mean, communication <laughs> is is it's not what it it used to be. I mean, every you know, it's just like there's a lot yeah, of stuff that have changed. There's a, the there. I mean, I think you know, I don't think Kirk Ferentz should be the coach at Iowa anymore because he's old and out of touch. And it's not just because of what his strength coach did. I just you know he, he I, if I was I, Iowa, I would want better. I, I just would. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, 
I'm sure Bob Stoops sits back and looks at this stuff and just says, thank God I'm not in the middle of this anymore. Uh, I mean, this is, like I said, the, and Ed, I think Eddie's dead on. Like, the people that keep trying to make this about the shirt is, I, I don't know if it's intentional subterfuge, but it's not, like, I, it, that was just the straw. That That was what finally brought everything to a head. And I kind of agree with the sentiment that, like, yeah, may, maybe you handle that, you know, behind clothes. You know, you give a coach that you played for, for you know, what, three, four years now, you give him some bit of a doubt, we're going to have this conversation. But at the same time, I do understand the sentiment of, unless you put this in front of everybody, it, he's, you know, he's going to appease Chuba Hubbard, but no, make no actual change. So I, I can see it from both sides, but I, I definitely I get the argument like you could have handled this behind closed doors because the bottom line is anybody anybody at any player at Oklahoma State acting surprised that Mike Gundy would have an OAN shirt is just that, that's just willful ignorance. Well, I think I think until unless Chuba Hubbard said something about it, people would just be like, "Oh God, he's wearing an OAN shirt." Sure. And that would have been the the, the most anybody would have done. Yeah. I mean, he sung the praises publicly of this network. And, I mean, it got some attention, but everybody kind of went past it. Oh, it's Mike Gundy, you know, whatever. And And by the way, I have never seen a goddamn second of the OAN, except on, you know, when people have talked about it on the news. I mean, I don't even know how you watch it. Yeah, is it on Cox or no? We don't 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 have it. We don't have it on Cox. I had it uh, when uh, I had AT&T, and I swear to God, I tweeted this, and I'm not joking. I thought it was some kind of Ontario hockey network. <laughs> well, there is like the Outdoor Action Network or something like that. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I thought it was just some kind of like sports channel, I, I never, but I never clicked on it. The first time I ever, ever even heard of it was during one of the early COVID press conferences, and I was watching, and they asked the president a question. And it was a super long, drawn out, and it was very, like, we want you to answer in this very specific way. Like, it was super not open-ended, and you were like, I was like, I don't know anybody that would ask a question like that. And that was my only real knowledge of them. I had no idea until, probably until, like I said, Gundy mentioned it. I was like, what the hell is that? So well, The greatest question I, of all time that they asked was when they asked uh, Trump if, he thought Chinese food was racist because it's called Chinese food because it comes from China. I did see that, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's that's laugh out loud funny. I know it's not supposed to, but my God, you're asking that in the press conference room at the White House? Come on. There was the, was that the one where the woman kept looking back at her like she was going to murder her if yes. she didn't stop? Yeah. yeah. It's like, what? Wait, what this bitch just asked? It was that look. It was, it was hilarious. We've had those looks at quite a few post-game press. press <laughs> yep, that happens. At OU press I would agree. I would agree, Bob. We have, yeah, there are there are some OAN networks that cover OU football. <laughs> anyway, I look, that's, I think that's all anybody, that's probably more than a lot of people want to hear us talk about that subject. Um, I think uh, for a lot of people on the board, the podcast begins now, yes. 22 minutes <laughs> Yeah, just put on the just put on your rundown, Eddie. Like uh, for those of you who don't care about social justice, Mike Gundy, Chuba Hubbard talk. The podcast begins now. Uh, okay, so one thing that is really interesting, a little bit scary. We've talked about this a little bit, 
And it was interesting, Eddie, you pointed out something uh, to me in, in group ch chat the other day. Uh, that I think Gabe DeArmond had tweeted this out, that uh, s s I guess Jeff Long had said something about, um, you know, all 10 conferences are kind of leaning on each other for testing protocols or whatever. Uh, and we talked about, you know, how is OU going to play Missouri State if they're not actively testing their people because they can't afford it. Uh, you know, and then the Houston thing happened where they didn't test them coming in, and uh, and even their their president was, like, dodging reporters. She was do dodging Joseph Duarte, uh, who is the beat writer, I think, of the Houston Chronicle down there, and uh, not not willing to engage him in why they didn't test, and then they end up with six symptomatic uh, COVID cases. Texas has six guys show up today, according to Anwar Richardson. Kansas State had a couple, which I know people get panicked about <clears throat> this, guys. Like, I, I, I still think they're going to play football, and I don't don't feel like – don't get all panicked because, like, oh, what are they going to do, shut down football if somebody gets it? No, they'll just get them out of their quarantine, test everybody, and move on. But, I mean, there is going to be a legitimate possibility of a key player here or there that has to sit out two weeks because he got the coronavirus, even if he's not, you know, symptomatic. Yep, no doubt about it. And I, I think that that is why the reason, and, you know, kind of you've been beating this drum carry as far as there has to be some type of universal testing. And that uh, thing that I sent you was from a YouTube event with Missouri AD Jim Sterk and Kansas Athletic Director Jeff Long uh, basically talking about kind of what they've gone through, what the programs have gone through here over the last couple months. And uh, it was Jeff Long, actually, the Kansas athletic director, that said all 10 conferences are looking to develop uniform testing guidelines during the season. Uh, and then he stressed, you know, obviously nothing's been finalized, but they hope to have something uh, before games begin. Uh, but, you know, as far as the coronavirus goes, and we've, we've all four talked about this, it's going to happen. Teams, leagues, whatever you want to say, Everybody is going in with the mindset of it's going to happen. Guys are going to test positive for the coronavirus. It's about everything else around that, how you handle it. I think that will prove if we can really pull this thing off. And, uh, you know, it, I, I just think it's kind of ridiculous to think that these college kids, and this is something we've also talked about, uh, to think that these kids aren't going to hang out on college campuses is just naive. I, I, I would even say borderline stupid. It's it's going to happen. Well, and Joe it's going to be even, about having, how teams react to it, I think, is going to be the biggest thing. And Joe C. even said, look, we, we're not going to be able to control these kids all the time. They're going to want to go out and be among other students. So they're and, prepared for that. And not to mention that, you know... I. What was my train of thought there? I, I, I had a great point, I promise, and then uh, I completely forgot it. Uh, but no, somebody else go. Yeah, because you know it's the two to three hours when they're all organized that they'll be complying, they'll social distance, they'll do everything that they're supposed to, and it's when you let them go that you're going to have no, no control. Because isn't that kind of what was the Kansas State deal? Like everyone came in. And it was fine. It's the right. later people that that another up. group came in it's after like, them, and, oh boy. and they like, tested you positive. Control them. But then right. you the people who what they did initially the problem with Kansas State was the people who had been tested and were negative 
had been hanging out with the group that tested positive off campus. So now everyone got infected potentially that, that hung and out with them. That's sort of my question too, is if who, let's say just throw, let's throw Spencer Rattler just cause that's, that's the name. What if he tests positive, who all has to go with him through this process and how long does that take? That's a, it, that's a great question, Bob. And that was something that uh, I talked about this morning. Like for instance, do they start like, okay. Worst case scenario, Spencer Rattler gets the coronavirus, test positive for the coronavirus the week of the OU Texas game. Does Tanner Mordecai have to quarantine too? Right. They've been in the same meeting rooms. Well, they have what to about- test. I mean, they just have to test him and see. What if what if he comes back negative, but he's also been you see where I'm going? Like he's been around those guys, like Creed Humphrey. If he tests positive, does the entire offensive line have to quarantine themselves like there are some serious serious questions that have to be answered before i am uh, completely on board and you know I, I joke that i think it's a hoax i don't i definitely i'm not in that group of people i mean i had it so i do think though that the hysteria around it is and i know this sounds terrible i just think it's a lot right now i don't know that's my personal opinion I know I'm not speaking for you guys, but I just, I don't know. It, I'm, I'm somewhere caught in the middle. You look at the cases in Oklahoma County right now, there hasn't been a hospitalization in five days. And that's and that's insane considering... The record amount of cases that have been absolutely, popping up. Absolutely. And, and let's be honest, guys, it's the 18 to 35 demographic. It's people my age that are basically living life as if nothing is going on. And... You know, I'm I'm part of the problem. I got it, I think, at a bar, so I can't say much. But it's just kind of interesting to look at it. It's a obviously a uh, an interesting topic with uh, so many levels and so many degrees. Just because I don't think that we know a whole lot about the coronavirus, and you know that we can we could have a podcast that lasted for twelve hours about it. You know, we're talking so much about college, but what was it at Arlington Martin yesterday, Josh? That someone tested positive and now Arlington Martin sh- shutting down. I-, I don't know how high schools will deal with any of this when it starts trick when it starts trickling down to them. I don't know how the seasons will go on because it, it seems seem like you can get through it with college, but if high school starts running into issues, I have no clue where, where they go from there. Oh yeah. Because in college there's enough structure that you can set up things to where your players can be about as isolated as you want them to be, about as isolated as you can make them. High school, if those kids are playing football and doing all the normal things, school is in session. They're going to be awash with 700 to 3,000 other kids every single day. Like, there's just no way to get around that. I, To me, and, and Carrie, I remember you bringing this up early when we were talking about if there would even be sports this year. Like, there – there's a question everybody governing this is going to have to face. Can we live with the fact that there are going to be positive tests? Are we going to have to shut everything down every time there's a positive test? If so, there's no point in even trying this because it's not going to work. Like yeah. OU is going to have positive tests in the middle of the season. They're going to have them around the bowls. I mean, that's, it's, it's not going anywhere, people. It's going to be here. You've got to accept that that's a reality and that's just what this is. 
So if you're going if you're going there with the idea of well, if we have positive tests, we got to shut down everything for two weeks. Man, just don't even start it. There's no point because it's just going to happen. You can't keep everybody that's isolated. And I, I think in high school, Bob's absolutely right. It's even more true because you just have to acknowledge these things are going to happen. Now, you want to isolate that player? Okay, that's fine. You know, I mean, I, I get that you have to make reasonable accommodations. But expecting a bunch of high school kids that are around all their friends and doing all these things – to just not come in contact with it is just not realistic. And I, I, you know what's crazy is I can totally identify and understand with the people that are out there like, why are we doing this? You know, why are we shutting down for this? Like, just why don't we just live and let it spread and what happens happens? Like, I can identify with Sweden. that thinking. Yeah, the Sweden line. Yep. It, but at the same time, I also understand that, you know, I, there you're going to have some people die that have pre-existing conditions. You, it's just, but it's, you know, I don't want to sit here and say, but it's the same way with the flu, you know, because you, you know, it, it is, but I don't, it's like, I don't know which way. I, I, I don't know how to do it. If, if it was my choice, you know, I, I, I can't tell people, you know, don't live your lives. I mean, I really can't. I, I mean, people are going to live their lives. They're proving it right now. I don't know that there's anything that you can do to keep the train from going down the tracks like it is now. I think that there's a very clear uh, difference between living your life or continuing to live your life, but taking precautions as opposed to just acting like it's acting like we've prayed it away and it's not going to be here anymore. I think that there's a you can do you you can do one of those, and one of those is you know if 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 you just think that it's gone and it's not going to affect anybody, I I got news for you I got I got some strong news for you and the other thing about the high school kids too is the fact that and I think uh, it was our buddy Matt Step that uh, pointed this out or threw this out on Twitter, I would imagine that for a lot of these high school kids, the only type of social distancing they are getting is when they're in the weight room. I think that was a great point. It's about when they leave the school or when they leave the summer conditioning program is when they're most at risk. And especially yep. with the uh, protocol and the guidelines that the UIL have put in place. The one thing that worries me that we don't know is like just that, that one little thing. Like, like let's say someone, let's say an athlete has it and they're asymptomatic. They haven't been tested. And they're out there playing, running around, and, like, say they pass out or something. Or they find out, like, well, if you have the virus and you are doing a lot of strenuous activity and, you know, your heart could seize or something like that. I mean, like, that would be the one just sports killer in this whole thing. Yeah, we, I mean, we still don't know the uh, the true effects of... Of having the virus. I mean, what if it, it turns uh, me into somebody that can run a 4-3? <laughs> what if it's like the reverse of I don't effect? think physics would allow for that. <laughs> You've watched Rookie of the Year one too many things. damn times, Eddie. <laughs> anything can happen in 2020, Gary. I'm convinced. In, in, anything good, though? I don't think anything good can happen in 2020. I think we've established that. It's all bad. 
Do you feel like we're all going to hear like the angels sing on like at twelve o'clock on January first of two thousand twenty-one? Like it's just going to be like all of this Hello? is gone. Like it, this whole year is just over. We've all gotten through it. Bob is somebody. You no, you guys muted yourselves. I don't know what happened there, but yeah, <laughs> that's impossible. That's impossible. I didn't touch anything, but I look up and you're muted. Who? It's your fault, not mine. I don't know what you did. But you did oh, something. here we see Carrie talking about being the change in the world, and then he's like, "Your fault, not mine." And I see how it is, Carrie. <laughs> I thought it was just you the, liberal like pansies did it to yourself. <laughs> I thought it was a pod stopper with Eddie running a four three. Everyone's like, "Yeah, he's going to. That's what he's going to be doing I, now." It's, it's like an e break on uh, the ticket. Well, to answer your question, Josh, I think the rapture's coming anyway, so we'll never get to January 1st, 2021. It's possible. It's possible. Um, Do Catholics believe in the rapture? Uh, you'd have to ask second grade, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys believe in purgatory. Carrie, I was a all-city altar server. I didn't really listen. I was working during Mass. You've those memories have been uh, wiped from your memory in a uh, deep dark place that you don't want to go they're, because they're somebody was messing. I was honored by the city. So you're saying that the priest might have touched your peony, and you've just no, forgotten. No, and I always, I always self-identified. Uh, I always had identity problems because of that. I never was touched by the priest, and I never had sex with a uh, school teacher. It's like, am I the ugly one? What is wrong with me? Am I damaged goods? <laughs> you and your white privilege, Eddie. We have derailed. Something like that. Uh, anyway. So, yeah, I mean, look, OU, people ask winter players reporting. I do think it's it's going to be a little bit staggered in how they come in. Like, you know, everybody's been pretty quiet on, on that front, but there's just no way that you can bring everybody in July 1st and expect, I mean, that's the thing. OU's kind of been able to be fluid about this. They've been able to watch everybody else. And they're like, if we talk to Joe Castiglione today, after talking to him last week, I'm sure there'd be a lot of different things that he would say or plans are in place. I, to me, the most shocking thing that's happened is that OU put season tickets on sale. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I just don't know how much sense that makes. Like, what are you buying exactly? A seat? I've looked, a, I've looked a little bit at the package. I think that they're just trying to – I don't even know how many they have left. Like, uh, And that's on the heels of uh, Greg Abbott's statement last week that he doesn't think it's going to raise over 50% uh, right. attendance. Right. I, I don't know. That whole thing, I'm in very much a wait-and-see mode as far as um, you know who gets in, who doesn't get in. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. I know you quit following him, but uh, somebody said something about uh, you know bands and cheerleaders and stuff being at games, and yeah. uh, Dan Wolken just left, let out a hearty LOL because he just thought. I mean, if he wants to have you know the entire band of the USA on his back, get ready, pal, because we know just from OU marching band, you don't mess with them. Because they'll yeah, mess I with think you back. Jason Kersey knows that news yes. very well. He's very familiar with that. I 
I will say, I'm trying to get Dan Wilkin into the U.S. Open. I saw that, you know, there's some professional players that are uh, pulling out because the yeah. UTSA is going to play the uh, U.S. Open in Flushing Meadows at the end of July. I wonder if Dan could get a spot. He's always claimed that he could win a point off Serena Williams. So uh, let's throw him in there. Put him against uh, Fed first round. Did Serena just have another baby? Uh, if she did, I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't send him anything. Um, yeah, I don't know. Somebody told me that. I, I didn't think that was right. But, no, she's going to play in the U.S. Open, Serena is. So he could face her. I think that'd be sweet. So, um, man, I am uh, I'm completely off track here. What, are you thinking about... A fifth grade teacher taking advantage of me or me running a 4-3? Which one? I just want to know. Both are flattering. That's something I often wonder about. Like, these teachers that get in the sex scandals with their students. One. Wow, we just lost somebody. We lost everybody. I'm still here. Hold on. I've been removed from the call. See, these bastards. Wow. They're sick of your shit, man. Did you guys remove me from the call, goddammit? No, you keep cutting out. We don't have that power. <laughs> Listen, I think you oh, do. Maybe with that conversation that you were going on. Yeah, maybe this is just God's way of yeah, saying Yeah, I better stop. Go to recruiting. Go to recruiting. <laughs> Bob, I'll just let you take over the show. I'm going to put myself in a timeout. <laughs> is Josh there? We have not heard Josh in a while. No, I'm here. Absolutely here. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, Josh, uh, you know, we, we talked last week that when we recorded this week's podcast, that there might be a, another commitment. And based on timing, mm, I guess we won't reach that point. But it does feel like, oh, you could add another member later today. Give Just give us the load on there. Yeah, you know, and we, it's a guy we've talked about a lot over the last month or so. Uh, Nathan Rollins Kabonga, the big defensive end from uh, Portland Jefferson in Oregon. Um, big, long guy, 6'6", 6'7", 250, 255. I mean, just kind of depending on, um, you know, what, what measurement you choose to believe. I can't say because I haven't had a chance to see him in person yet. But this is a guy, and and I've said it over and over again, but this is a guy that's a real priority for Oklahoma. I think this is going – to, you know, should it happen the way we expect it to and he pick Oklahoma, I think a lot of OU fans are going to say, oh, it's a three-star guy and maybe not give it its due. But if I was to build out a top five or top ten guys for Oklahoma in this class, he would almost certainly be in the top ten and might even be in the top five conversation. This is a guy Oklahoma likes a lot. They really – he just brings a lot of the things to the table that Oklahoma is looking for with his length, um, his quickness, his ability to get into pass rushing lanes. Like, he's a, he's the kind of defensive end that, yeah, maybe he doesn't get to the quarterback, but he's so big he could he could disrupt a throw. He can do different things to make it more difficult for an offense, which is really what Alex Grinch's whole idea of defensive football is, is just to put strain and pressure on the quarterback, on the ball carriers, just make everything a little tougher so that they can make the mistake and maybe he gets those turnovers he's looking for. So, I mean, th this guy is a key deal for Oklahoma. He's a big win if they can go ahead and finish the deal here. And, you know, I, I know we want to get into it a little bit, but is just a 
another feather in the hat for Jamar Kane, who is really off to a strong start for Oklahoma. Josh, yeah, well, go, go, I was just going to ask real quick. That that seems almost as as big as the commitment is in itself. I almost feel look at it from hearing you and Bob talk about the you know what we what we believe will be a commitment is this is just another huge win for Jamar Kane and kind of gives you a glimmer of hope of what could possibly be to come at that position. And more importantly, what Jamar Kane could be as a recruiter at Oklahoma. Yeah. I, I mean, this is, this is what Oklahoma hoped for when they got Jamar Kane as a guy that could make an impact. And I've, you know, when we've talked about it on the pod for years, I'm a big guy on that first year. Don't judge too harshly. It's, it's, it's just tough when you're playing catch up, especially in a situation like Jamar Kane's where a lot of the guys he was recruiting at Arizona state are not the same guys he was recruiting at Oklahoma. Now, Nathan is a little bit different situation. He is a guy that he was recruiting at Arizona State, and they did have an existing relationship, and that helped him when he got to Oklahoma. But there is no doubt that he's – I mean, he's he's selling a kid from Portland, Oregon, to come to Norman, Oklahoma, over a lot of offers in the Pac-12, a lot of offers closer to home, um, and doing so – Considering the kid's never seen the campus. I mean, he's never been to Norman. He's never, to my knowledge, he's probably never been to the state of Oklahoma. So this is a, another big deal for OU to go ahead and close him out this early, especially when so many people had him pegged to Stanford the minute he picked up that Stanford offer. And, you know, to to toot our own horn a little bit, we were all along kind of like, hey, let's, let's tap the brakes on that. I, I don't think that's as dead set as some people are presenting it as. Because um, I know there were some that were making predictions for Stanford the day that offer came in. And I talked to Nathan himself, and he was very adamant that it, it was just more about people thinking they understood what he felt about schools and what were going to be his deciding factors because he is a big-time academics guy, I believe has, you know, like over a four-point GPA. I mean, just a, a guy that would, you know, make fun of us for being idiots. I mean, he's a really sharp kid, but at the same time, I think he understands that what Oklahoma is doing, obviously being an elite program like it is, has a chance to compete for national titles. And I think he believes in Jamar Kane a lot. So I, I think there was there was a lot involved here. But, yeah, like, like you said, Eddie, this is a sign that I think you can only expect things to get better and better under Jamar Kane at those, you know, the edge positions. And, guys, you think about it. Um, just go back, you know, through the – not even recent history. I mean, you think about defensive ends, edge rushers at Oklahoma. I mean, early to mid-2000s, exceptional, all over the place. Um, and then, you, you know, you, you, you kind of went and you had some guys kind of after the Austin English area. You know, you had Frank Alexander and Ron L. Lewis. Eventually became kind of an edge guy. Uh, but really, there have been two notable guys in the last, God, six years. And Eric Stryker and... Oboe. Like, and after Oboe, if there was such a void there, I mean, and that's like, you know, all this stuff about, you know, that had been floating out there around Calvin Thibodeau, um, he didn't inherit jack shit when he got here. And the, 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 the pressure numbers they got, the tackles for loss last year, was so much better than it had been in the previous couple of years. But with what Jamar Kane is doing, I think we're going to finally see an end to this drought of edge rushers and defensive ends because, you know, 
think about how much they were reliant on Jalen Redmond before, you know, all his lung stuff came up. And um, it's just, it's been a drought at the position. So I think if anything, OU fans have to feel great about that work that Jamar Cain's doing. And then, Josh, I want to go back to his uh, ability as a player because I think he is a three-star, right? But for people that don't know, he he was a basketball dude. He Everyone thought he would be a basketball Division One player. And, in fact, he was. I mean, he's been committed to Washington State. And then he played football for the first time last season. And that was, you know, his breakout year, recruiting all the momentum that followed after, uh, after that. If you think with his senior season, are we even talking about him as a three-star guy? Or is he someone who could jump in? to the Rivals 250 when it's all said and done. Oh, I, I am a firm believer. I will be a little bit surprised if he doesn't make that move, assuming, you know, he gets to have a season and everything goes to plan, but or I guess is play, as to goes to hope. But, I mean, this is a guy, Bob, you just mentioned last year was his first year of high school football. He had 28 tackles for loss. Like, that's just that's stupid. Like, and, and it, it only tells you how far he can go. Like, there's still so much more room for him to grow and develop as a player. Um, and again, I mean, you're talking about a guy that not only has focused on basketball, but he has a basketball body at this point in time. I mean, he's listed at, you know, 6'7", 240, 250, 255. I mean, a big, long guy. This is a guy that's going to be 280 pounds and carry it like it's nothing. I mean, this is, like I said, almost the ideal for what Oklahoma is talking about on their defensive line at that defensive end position. So I think he will. I think he pushes in to the 250 conversation because you just can't overlook a guy with this much upside. I mean, like I think the ranking services and rivals, 24-7, ESPN, whoever you want to go into, have gotten so much better over the last maybe five years at identifying some of the patterns that you see, you don't see the guys that were, you know, the college listed weights when they come out of high school. Those guys usually are not the ones that become the first round draft picks. They, you know, they, they end up being overweight or people, other people catch up to them and you realize, Oh, they weren't that much better. They were just bigger and stronger at the time. But these guys that have that developmental edge to them and they still have room to grow into things and can still improve, those are the guys that you tend to see, okay, wow, he's he's amazing. And, I, you know, being from the area he is and, you know, the school that the guy I'm going to compare him to a little bit, uh, he played for is Eric Armstead, the guy that's now the stud for the 49ers that played at Oregon. And I, I'll own it. When Eric Armstead, when I saw him at the Army game years ago, I thought he was a left tackle. I was like, he needs to be moved to left tackle. He's the same kind of body type, 6'6", 6'7", 255, 260. And I was like, oh, he's too high. He won't that, that won't work on the defensive line. But, I mean, he's one of the best defensive linemen in football now. He's an absolute monster. And I'm not saying Nathan Rollins-Cabonga is going to be of that level, but he's a similar style of player. And if he can learn to be the physical guy he'll need to be in the role OU's going to put him in, I think the sky is absolutely the limit for him. He he is a chance to be, um, you know, that first first among that first group of Oklahoma defenders to maybe start really turning the conversation in the NFL draft for OU. And Bob, one one last thing I I do want to add is that uh, talking with sources, the door's open for him to play basketball 
for the Sooners. If he picks OU today and signs with the class, there's been talk of him coming on with Lon, with, uh, Lon Kruger and trying to pursue that t- two-sport route. I'm very skeptical because of just what you just said. He's six seven, two forty now. What's going to happen when he gains that football weight and becomes the football player that people believe he can be? I don't know if you can make that transition to then try to play basketball like a month later. But the door, as of right now, is open if he wants to try to go down both both of those sports when he get if he gets to Norman. I think you almost have to be a skill position player to pull that off in this day and age. It's hard, right? Yeah, tight end at the most is the Bob biggest thing to be. It's the Bob biggest thing is trying to carry that weight. You know, I think you know, I think is the last guy to do that at Oklahoma play football and basketball. I mean, there's been many, uh, there's been multiple uh, football and baseballs. And are we know, going, obviously as of are late. We, are we going Dean Blevins? I think it is. Yeah, that's that's who we came up with. I mean, it's just, it's so, it, and it's so hard. I mean, and and Bobby, you talked about it just from a, from from what you need to be in physical shape as far as a football player, as opposed to, you know, what the demands of being a basketball player would ask you to be. Uh, it's it's a tough ask. It, I mean, that is extremely tough. I would imagine you could count on you know both hands how many legitimate times that has happened just as a whole in the you know from for a big time player at the Division One level. I do remember Lindy Holmes saying that he wanted to play basketball. Really, and uh, okay. he even asked the coaching staff about it because he was a really good high school basketball player. But he, it Didn't never worked that out. Lindy. Yeah. Lindy Holmes also. All-time good dude. Also uh, brought back the Afro mullet. He was the first person that I knew that <laughs> did that. Yeah. I, that was I a South so. Dallas thing, I think, back in those days. I believe he's the pride of South Oak Cliff, right? South Oak Cliff High School? I think that's right, yeah. I want to say he was there and then... Like maybe his senior year played somewhere else. Oh, uh, really? I don't, I don't know why I think that, but l- l- hang on, I'll I'm efforting. Well, well, then but he was Nick, he was mainly a three point shooter. Saban wants nothing to do with him, man. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm just gonna go on a rant here. By the way, Lindy Holmes, the most surprising forty time ever for me, because on a football field he could chase down anyone. And his 40 was like a 4-7 or 4-8 or something like that. Well, because th- wasn't there, there was a, what game was that? He like famously caught somebody from behind. That I think like, it was at A&M. Hell. I think it was. Yes. Was it Kristen Michael? It might have been. It was somebody like that that you knew could run, and Lindy caught him. Like, and like it was right, nothing. He went and ran that terrible. Yeah, he went and ran that terrible 40. Um, he was definitely a guy that was faster on the field. No, you guys are right. He was an SOC guy. For some reason, I had it in my head. He was, he was somewhere else. <laughs> it wasn't Krista Michael. He would have been before Krista Michael. I, I think I had Lindy more like 06 or 07, and he was 04. Lindy Holmes also reminds me of a very different time when coaches could actually talk to you because uh, some of the coaches were disturbed about how many kids he had. He had a lot of kids in college. I think he had four by the time he was done. I believe Lindy Holmes is responsible for a lot of children, yes. <laughs> More than Adrian Peterson? 
I I think by the time he exited Norman, I think that that might have been accurate. I would need to do some. Uh, oh, they would be. They would be in the football facilities. His kids would be. Oh, they'd be out of practice. Yeah. But he is a good dude. Really good dude. Awesome dude. <laughs> you guys. Not yeah, saying that there's uh, anything uh, wrong with that, having four kids. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably not a great time in our country to be having these discussions. Yes. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're trying it's to like put ourselves... Not that there's... there's sex. I don't, that's not a <laughs> Yeah, it has nothing to do with racism. True. I mean, True. Un- until condoms are canceled, and then and then we might have to reevaluate. Okay, we need to move on. Uh, For fear of shaming Tiffany, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut on all this. So, well, you're fixed. So, what do you care, uh, Bob? I Bob, continue. Can't deflect. I'm good. Uh, Christian Leary, in one of the series three. Mm. Obviously, the series three is not series three. Leary series two now. Alabama last night. Uh, Josh, is this surprising? Does it mean anything in the in the grand scheme of things? Now we talked about it last week a little bit. I mean. I don't think anyone is surprised. It had felt like this was coming down to Alabama and Florida. Part of me thinks it was almost a middle ground because I got the impression his family wanted him a little closer to home at Florida. And I think he had a lot of interest in Oklahoma. And I'm wondering if, I mean, it's crazy to say Alabama is like a middle ground, but that's almost what it feels like. Okay, everybody could kind of be happy with that resolution. Um, I don't know if that's fair. It just kind of it, 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 it connects some of the dots of things I've heard, I guess would be the way I would say that. Um, but, no, I don't think anybody should be surprised. I, as of about a, probably a month ago, you started to hear, like, I, I don't know if Christian Leary's, if, if that's actually going to work out. I think he was – I think when the Series 3 started, he may have been as set on Oklahoma as any of the three involved. Yep. But as time went Great. on – I think it just it regressed, and that's why. I mean, like we always say in recruiting, I mean, like you can't count on anything. I mean, it just don't don't believe anything. Excuse me, until it's done, because you just don't know. And I think he is a very good example of a guy that was all about OU, and then as it came time to kind of make that decision, he just he couldn't quite pull the trigger. Yeah, Josh. There's a lot of other receivers on the board, and I don't think OU's going to have trouble filling out their spots there. But can they find the type of speed that Leary would have brought to the table? Well, probably not. I mean, let's just be honest about it. I mean, (laughs) Christian, I mean, there are certain guys that you're like, there's only a couple of those dudes, and he's one of them. I mean, that that speed, the only guy you could say, okay, maybe, was Malcolm Johnson, who eliminated Oklahoma a few weeks ago. Um, But, I mean, like, when you're talking about Mario Williams being your consolation prize in the speed world, like, that's okay. That's not too bad. I mean, that that guy, I mean, that's a guy that probably will go to the NFL Combine someday and run in the four threes. I mean, he, he's got plenty of juice. So I don't think you can replicate that. But say, you know, say you find a way and you get Jalil Farouk um, and, you know, let, let's get really excited about it and say Emeka Ibuka. I mean, you might be talking about the best wide receiver class in school history. I mean, that's – and the thing people forget is Cody Jackson. Cody Jackson can fly. I mean, can fly, fly. And people, I think he's been committed for so long, people are going like, eh, you know, maybe not. But the guy, 
had a huge season. And, I mean, if you look at his numbers compared to CeeDee Lamb playing in, you know, the same offense there at Foster, very comparable. Now, we'll have to see if Cody Jackson has that unbelievable senior year like CD did, which is kind of the moment everybody was like, oh, he's he's better than we thought he was. That was kind of when he took off was that senior year when he went for over 2,000 yards receiving, which is just insane. But, you know, you look at it, there is – there's a lot to like in that that foursome. Even if you and you like where OU is with Farouk, you, they've already got Williams and Jackson committed. Who almost whoever that fourth receiver is, you're gonna like what OU's got in that group. Um, you know, there's um, the Keon Coleman kid from Louisiana yep. gets overlooked a lot, and I think he's interesting because he brings a lot of size that maybe Oklahoma doesn't have anywhere else. Even I mean, Ebuka's a big kind of physical guy, but he's not six four. Keon Coleman kind of gives you a little variety in your receiver class where, you know, you do have that one big vertical jump ball type guy. And, you know, then you have your underneath guys. You have your, you know, Cody Jackson who can work a little inside, a little outside, do a little bit of both. It just gives you more variety. And so you can go a lot of ways. But, I mean, like you said, Bob, I don't think anybody in their right mind should be worried about wide receiver recruiting. They Whether they get Christian Leary or whether they get Igbuka, they're going to be fine. The Dennis Simmons and Kale Gundy will have that room stocked for the foreseeable future. Let me ask you, Josh, um, because Lincoln Riley was just fine with the dead period being extended. What are the chances that this entire signing class of 2021 is never allowed to visit a college campus before they sign? That's nuts. I mean, like, but it's possible. Now, I know, was it today that the NCAA is supposed to be voting on the, the specialized rule where I think yep. players could take two official visits in August or something? Like, they were trying to work out some way to, you know, not make this a reality. But it's possible, Carrie. I mean, like, and honestly, if you're being realistic about it, I think in a lot of ways that's a huge win for Oklahoma because a lot of these schools that are traditionally in areas that produce more talent – they don't have their one built-in advantage. Hey, why don't you just drive down here and see us? Come on over. You know, you you live in Orlando, Christian Leary. Come down and see us over here at Florida or even to Alabama. You know, whatever it may be, um, you don't have that advantage. So, sure, it hurts Oklahoma in the cases of Texas players, but with as much as Oklahoma's recruiting, you know, the Mid-Atlantic, the Southeast, all these places – Oklahoma's in the same boat with those other schools. How creative can you be with your presentations? How much can you build a relationship with these players? And if what we're seeing and what we're hearing is any indication, Oklahoma can stack up with just about anybody in the country in that regard. So now it's just a matter – because, I mean, I think there are five, six, seven kids that if they could take official visits right now, they'd probably already be committed to Oklahoma. But they're kind of waiting it out to see when that day comes. But if that day never comes, you assume Oklahoma would finish the job. Well, and that's the other thing, too. If you do open that window and official visits start taking place, I just wonder if it becomes the Wild West then, where all these kids that have been committed, now that they get a chance to go to other campuses and really get kind of influenced meeting with everyone, like, do commitments start changing left and right? Oh, yeah, sure. That's coming. I, I think, you know, we've talked about that before, and that's where I said you might be better to be in Alabama or OU right now where you have less than 10 commits total, where instead of being a Tennessee 
or Ohio State or USC, and you got to deal with like 20 kids when half of them committed during this time period, and that you have no clue how they're going to react once the doors are open again. I feel a little bit more better if you only have like seven or eight. It's like, okay, and we only got about three or four during this period. Well, I feel we're going to be a lot better because we've had a firm foundation with with these kids and we didn't have any of those crazy commitments from uh recruits that didn't make any sense like kind of saw a lot with tennessee especially where where it also gets interesting to me guys is how do you how do you lay out your strategy for how you want to do that do you want to get every kid that wants to come in august on campus in august or do you want to say we, we're hoping it's going to open back up in December so we'll get the last shot with this guy that we really want because if we take it in August and things open back up, then Alabama or Georgia or whoever we're recruiting against is going to get in that door because we won't have it available to open. Like, I, do you count, you know, kind of it's, it's a bird in the hand or two in the bush? I mean, like, it's really just a question of what you believe is going to happen, and I think that's going to be really interesting to see how they do it. To me – I think with the way the the world looks right now, I think you have to take the chance of this may be the only shot we get. But I could hear the argument. I mean, I could understand it to say, because everybody always, I mean, recruiting, one of the rules is you want the last shot. I want to be the last one to be in your living room, or I want to be the last visit you take to make that sales pitch. And it's not coincidental that almost every time these things happen, that's the school the player ends up going to. Because they know it too. I mean, and that's the last thing on their mind. That's the last one to give them the sales pitch. Those things usually play out, you know, according to that rule. So you're 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 gambling to take that that visit or to have those guys come in in August. But it may be a bigger gamble to not bring them in in August, so those schools get visits and then you get nothing. I think Bob is done unless he's muted. No, he's not muted. He hasn't muted himself. I'm, I'm looking. I know we've, we're talking about it. I I know it's been talked about a basketball recruiting calendar has been proposed today. I'm just trying to find the details about football. I know that's yeah. what we're talking about for basketball for August. The was, original the original proposal that I think you're talking about, Bob, is something that I saw Jeff Goodman send out. So, yeah, that, that would be basketball. I never saw anything for football. That's that's what I was doing. I was trying to find if there was a football one. I, I didn't find one in the brief moments I just spent looking. I saw the basketball one again, talking about is the, that the Okay, is non, that the thing in August that I just misunderstood it? Okay, then I may yeah, have I, just misunderstood it. I think it. so. I, w- okay. I will ask you, Josh, and this was a conversation that, you know, I we've, we've talked about Jamar Kane and kind of his emergence on the uh, – recruiting trail what about the other side and the running back position uh i had somebody ask me about this the other day how would you handicap the the running back recruitment right now obviously uh kamar wheaton lj johnson uh certainly in the mix but where how would how would you break that down right now it's kind of intriguing to me well i mean the guys that i would say are most likely to end up in oklahoma's class i mean this tells you where ou is on offense right now are the number one running back in the country and the number two running back in the country, uh, according to Rivals rankings. Kamar Wheaton, obviously our number one guy, top ten player overall in the country, uh, just a pure speed home run hitting back. That I, I'll be honest, I, I've always felt like Rivals maybe has him a little high, but man, I think he could do. Lincoln Riley could do some really interesting stuff with a guy like that, putting putting him out in space. 
you know, putting him in the slot, doing some different stuff. I mean, Bob, it's kind of like what you just talked about. If there was a guy that could replace Christian Leary, maybe in some ways it's Kamar Wheaton. Like, I mean, he has that kind of home run speed that is really, really hard to uh, to account for on a defense. Um, I think Oklahoma leads there, but I think anybody saying they know something is just fooling themselves. I could see it being SMU because he is friends with Preston Stone, uh, SMU's big quarterback commitment from the Dallas area. Uh, I could see it being Texas. Uh, I think LSU has an outside chance. Everybody I talk to tells me he's, I mean, it's not coincidence that he's quiet. This is a kid that's kind of kept to himself, kind of keeps a small circle. I don't think he wants to get that far from his family and friends. So, you know, SM, that, obviously that puts SMU right in the center of things. And then you throw in Oklahoma where he's visited several times. You throw in Texas, obviously the big in-state program. I think it's going to come out of those three. And I think they all have pretty equal chances, but I just kind of like where Oklahoma is. I, I like um, he's developed a relationship with DeMarco Murray. I think there's some comfort starting to come along there. Uh, as much as it can, like I said, for a kid that is somewhat reserved. Uh, the other is Donovan Edwards, the uh, the big-time guy from Michigan. Now, the, the safe bet here is absolutely Michigan. I mean, it, but the thing that people forget is, Early on, it was Ohio State. This isn't some Michigan kid that was always going to go to Michigan and, you know, dream to playing for Jim Harbaugh. This is a guy that's pretty open to the process and was willing to do the reverse of what's so popular, you know, uh, through history of Ohio State and Michigan, and that's go from Michigan to Ohio State. So I, I think there is um, there's a real chance there. Now, he is one of those guys – OU needs the window to open up. They need to be able to get him for an official visit because until that happens, I think there is something he's really interested in but wouldn't be able to pull the trigger on. So we'll have to kind of see what that what happens there. But Oklahoma definitely is a contender there. And, I mean, there's several other options you could look at kind of, you know, okay, maybe OU goes in there. I still can't help but wonder if they try to get Trevion Henderson to campus if they can um, just to see if that happens now. A, I don't think they will, and B, I don't think he'll come. Like, I mean, I, I feel like that door is probably closed, but I know how high Oklahoma was on him, so I, I just can't rule that out. Uh, you mentioned L.J. Johnson. I, I think Oklahoma could get a visit from him, but, boy, he sure sounds locked into A&M from everybody I talk to right now. It's going to be interesting, too, to, to see what uh, fingerprints DeMarco Murray puts on that running back position. I mean, you talk about um, – you, you, you talked about uh, Kamar Wheaton, about you know how versatile he is. And then I think people kind of forget that because DeMarco got to be known as a an inside runner in the NFL, but his versatility is what made him special at Oklahoma. Just, you know, I mean, just shifting out to the slot and, and running. I mean, before there was Joe Mixon, I mean, DeMarco Murray was Joe Mixon. I mean, he was one of the best receiving running backs that we'd ever seen. Oh, he's he's got to be pissed that he was born 10 years too early. Like, he would be such a prototype for the way the NFL uses running backs now, especially if he hadn't had the injuries at Oklahoma. Like, he was a little different player after that. But you're right. His, I mean, he's still, I want to say, one of the career leaders in touchdown receptions at Oklahoma. I, I think Yes, that's he right. set the I record when he was here. Um, yeah. And I think it was surpassed. Is it, is it not been surpassed? But scoring, I think he has the record for. I, I think maybe, maybe Overall Austin Seibert. Yes. 
past mm-hmm. him in scoring or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Austin. That doesn't count when a kicker does it. <laughs> Josh, I, I said for months and months they would take two backs just based on numbers because they're going to lose Trey Sermon, lose Ramondre Stevenson, could lose Kennedy, uh, Kennedy Brooks. Obviously, that was before Sermon even decided to leave anyway. But now I'm finally coming around to the idea that if they get Kamar Wheaton, that might be it. Do you get that sense that even though it feels like it would put them pretty short on the running back numbers, if Kennedy Brooks were to leave early, they'd only, you know, they have Major, uh, Marcus Major, TJ Pledger, McGowan, and, and then they'd have their 2021. That feels like it'd be low in terms of the number of backs. But is that the impression that you're starting to get to? Yeah, I mean, Bob, now it hurts me a little bit because I think it's pretty clear you haven't listened to me, and that, that upsets me, Bob. That hurts my feelings. No, and... I said I've come around to it. <laughs> I, I, for months, no, no. I said two backs. I've said sure. I know you said one, oh, but yep. I want to get, like, what is the if, – if Bob Stoops always said he needed six running backs, and we've seen all these season-ending injuries that have happened to OU running backs like crazy in the last two, three years, just looking back, Roddy Anson, Sutton, Sermon, I mean, we've seen it. If you're already starting at a low number, I, I'm trying to understand why the thought process is just take the one and that's it. Yeah, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, I understand and I think that it's a gamble. Where I think is interesting is what they want to do with Brian Darby. And I wonder if that plays okay. some role in this because there's – oh, I mean, and I want to say this is completely me – kind of playing a hypothetical here i i have no information that brian darby is going to be a running back my expectation has been that he's a receiver but when you look at the numbers you're right bob i mean most programs want six scholarship running backs now only two or three or maybe four of them in really great years are going to be real role guys but you need that many bodies just to get through practice each week and you know i I think people don't think about that sometimes it's not just about we have enough bodies for the games you have to have guys who can get you through the reps and practice all week. So, I, you know, Oklahoma has five. Looks like, I mean, unless Ramondre Stevenson redshirts next year, he'll be gone after this year. Uh, Kennedy Brooks is going to have a decision to make. And then you've got TJ Pledger, Marcus Major, and Seth McGowan. I mean, that's, that's not a lot there, um, especially when you talk from an experience standpoint. But what I think the thinking really is, is okay you get Kamar Wheaton you got a big time back the odds that you're going to get another elite back in that group is pretty small I mean it's not impossible obviously Ohio State's got Evan Pryor and Trevion Henderson so it could be done but it's it gets harder and then you throw into the fact how big Oklahoma is on Relic Brown in the 2022 class and some of the other running backs in that group then I think you kind of understand what they're thinking is they are I think just expecting that maybe 2022 could be more fruitful. Like, okay, we can get some guys in 2021 and they're good players, but maybe they aren't the fit for us that other guys, you know, uh, Jaden Blue from Houston that they've offered, uh, the Javante Barnes kid from Las Vegas, it's really explosive. Uh, Well, uh, and a great one, I mean, because we always talk about complimentary backs. You get a guy like Relique Brown that is scary, scary, scary fast. And then you add him to a Mecca Megwa that is basically Samaje Pirine Part Two, 
Like, that that's great. I mean, like, you talk about all the stuff you could do with those two, throw different looks at defenses, put them on the field at the same time, and really mix things up. There are a lot of ways you could go with that, and I think Oklahoma's in a good spot with Emeka Megwa. I mean, not on the verge of landing him or anything, but they are a real threat in his recruitment. Relique Brown, he's been pretty open that Oklahoma is his leader. So you run the risk of, okay, we're going to take this guy to have a body, and that's fine. Like You can understand why you would feel that way, but does that risk our chance of having a really elite group in that 2022 class? Just a housekeeping note, DeMarco Murray is the OU career leader in all-purpose yards and touchdowns. Okay, that's all-purpose yards, yes. All-purpose yards, 6,718, and then uh, touchdowns scored 65. Hmm. He scored a lot of touchdowns. <laughs> wow. he And it puts it in perspective, the closest guy, the, the two closest guys to him played more than uh, almost 50 years ago. Uh, <laughs> Billy Sims and Steve Owens. Very different times in how running backs were used. Yeah. Um, I mean, Steve know, Owens had, a 50 had 50 carries 51. in a game. Yes. Uh, that's... That's, can you imagine that today? Like, Oklahoma would probably get sued by like for malpract, like maluse of of their student athletes if a guy ran fifty uh, times. I would have to wonder if Lincoln Riley's going to use his running backs. Have you seen what he did at East Carolina, <sighs> Eddie? I feel like you're saying that to hurt me, and that's that's fair. It was a criticism I had, and I will. Abs- I know you weren't aiming at me, but oh, I was. I will. Did you really? It. I I I was like I when he was hired, I thought this is. I, I get. I mean, and everybody I talked to. Oh, he's he's great, offensive mind, blah blah. I was like, Oklahoma's going back to 1999. Football has changed. It's evolved. You can't be that one dimensional. Like everybody's learned how to respond to that. Blah, 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 blah. Well, I didn't know that Lincoln Riley was just going to, well, okay, I'm just going to reinvent everything I've ever done and be, you know, the best offensive mind in college football. Like, I didn't foresee that. So I I, I stand before all of you shamed and, you know, apologetic. Did you, do you guys, you guys know Chuba Hubbard led the Big 12 in rushing last year, right? Everybody knows that. Do you guys know who was I second? Heard, I, I heard, I heard about it. Do you know who's who second, second in rushing in the, in the, Big in the conference? Yes. It's not Brees Hall. That was my first thought. He didn't even break a thousand. Not Jalen Hurts. <laughs> it was Jalen Hurts. Okay, I thought it might be. He put up the numbers. I was gonna. I was wondering if it might be Sam Ellinger. I don't even think he was. He wasn't in the top five. I don't think. Okay. Okay. But I mean, but I mean, to your both your points. Look, Lincoln. It wasn't. It wasn't automatic. Like, he had some issues his first year as coordinator not running the ball enough. That Texas loss, they 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 killed Baker Mayfield, and they never established the run. It's because Josiah St. John was tipping every goddamn play. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? <laughs> that was the weirdest postgame that I think – one of the weirdest postgames I think I've ever – that or, uh, coincidentally, back at the Cotton Bowl – after uh, Mike Stoops' last game. Yeah, there's been some odd in recent years. Since Lincoln's you know been here, there's is? been some I odd I think it years. has a lot to do with us being outside to do those interviews. Like, they're in the... Uh, the oh, Yeah, the end zone. Whatever. But, yeah. The concourse. We have to not lose. 
if they win, we get to stay inside. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Back, back, back. No, but I mean, he, I mean, he, 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 I think he's fine now. I mean, a lot of people would argue he ran his quarterback way too much last year, or his quarterback ran too much, one or the other. But yeah, I don't have any worries about him. Now that Bob's gone, it's like he's he's done pretty. I mean, I think Rodney Anderson, the way he used him was was great. Oh yeah, I, I was completely I was completely kidding. Being facetious. Oh, I mean, I mean, they won that he, Kansas State game because he called a. End around, uh, not an end around, but just a, a sweep. And Rodney Anderson took it to the house and almost killed Bob. People Dimitri forget. Flowers almost killed me. Oh, was that who almost killed you? Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that 2015 season, that was not like the Lincoln Riley offense that everybody thinks of. Like, it was very kind of putting things together as the year went yeah, on there. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee, they were abominable for three quarters. They were bad. Akron, they put 41 on Akron at home. They fought. They looked terrible. But yeah, they didn't look great in that Akron game. Do you guys remember the Tulsa game being a two-touchdown game that year? Yeah. 52-38? I don't remember that at all. P.J. and Bannisaur was your starting corner. Well, you know, there was a rallying cry. They They had to succumb to the pressure. And, like, uh, Tulsa had a Hail Mary to end the first half, and it was, like, a seven-point game at halftime. That's yeah. right. Now I I, I do remember yep. that now. Yep. <laughs> God, I, I don't know why I'm so bad about that kind of crap. Like, I cannot remember a game. Like, like, that was three seasons ago. I don't remember that at all. I don't know anything about that. I mean, they had a tough time with a pretty lackluster West Virginia team. But they still went to the college football playoff. You know <laughs> – I think with, I mean, with the exception of Bob, there are three real health nuts on this podcast that can all attest that fast food can fix a lot of problems. And that's exactly what you saw at Kansas State in Manhattan, Kansas. God, that was a when ass that, whipping I never saw coming. I, I thought OU was in so much trouble that day. Eddie and I drove and got to Manhattan before they flew. Yeah, I think, we, I think everybody was there. By six, Eddie and I went out to the airport Friday. At... Eddie has been kicked off. Uh, apparently, hold uh, on. Like we were all just chilling as a me, Jason Kersey, John Chin, the whole thing, Aber, and we just they're just sit, sitting there drinking as we kept following Chris uh, Chris Plank and his Twitter feed about oh we still haven't left yet they're still waiting to get clearance and we're just sitting Junction City. Just, all right, <laughs> they'll show up when they show up. I'm trying to get Eddie back here. Hold on, give me a sec. He he is claiming online that Bob booted him from. <laughs> <laughs> there is a crying emoji with you have been removed from the call by Bob Prisbillo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we got it back now. I got cut out. I don't know what happened. Bob did it to you. He's controlling everything. <laughs> He's like, damn it, Bob. I have no idea. He's like, F- you. This is my recruiting segment. Get See, out of here, people. We, God, you give Bob a little power, and this is what happens. You know, I have the phone to my ear, and it keeps. I don't know what buttons I. It's so because I'm on the the Skype. Oh, app. You're actually on your phone. Yes. Yeah. But he, I don't think I have the power to take out people <laughs> when I didn't set up the call. Probably Eddie's laptop has the corona now. 
Uh, I mean, if it does, it'll be better in four or five days, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, by the way, I, I, I've been catching up a little bit on Chris Elia. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's disturbing. Uh, how bad is that old um, Workaholics episode looking when he played the child molester? I haven't finished it, but apparently he played it. He played a deviant in, in you in the Netflix show, you. Oh, yeah, he did. You're right. I forgot all about that, but he did. He absolutely did. Like, why would you? <laughs> That's almost like. I guess, it, it, like, I mean, if you, if you, you know. Is it like if you if you're a racist, you should play a racist on a TV show to prove that you're not a racist? Uh, yeah, well, isn't that uh, what they said about Dean uh, Dean Kane from his stint on it's a diff on a it's a different world? I thought and you were telling me he was Dean. actually Superman. Yeah, that's the only thing I remember Dean Kane from. Well, it's just a one-off. It's just a a one-off thing where he uh, wrote N I on the hood of a car. Oh, a different world, like uh, with uh, the what's, show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Kadeem Hardison. Kadeem yep. Hardison, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. Holy. And hell. then he I, I... turned out to be who Dean Kane is, one of the more vocal Trump guys. I I see. People don't believe me. They think I've got some political viewpoint. I know nothing about what you're talking about. Like I, I'm like Dean Kane's a Trump guy. Like I didn't. I know didn't know that either. This. I knew like, that. Uh, I know that Scott Payo's a big Trump guy. I think we should wait right. to get Aubrey Huff on the subject. Think wait, we should Scott. what? I think we should wait to hear from Aubrey Huff on the subject. <laughs> he seems to be a uh, a real moral ground of uh, of excellence. Is, is he less befitting of what you would think of a guy named Aubrey? Like I feel, uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, like. That's he's not the human being that you would picture that grew up with the name Aubrey. But but I mean, like it's just it's interesting. He's I would a, think he you'd be into like watercolors and stuff. He's a third too, Edward Lawrence. Aubrey Huff is Aubrey Lewis Huff the third. I'm denouncing my thirdness. <laughs> so anyway, um, any other business you guys want to get out there before we uh, call it a day? I nope. don't think so. Uh, you know, I, just with all the NBA and, uh, you know, just sports as a whole returning, it seemed like everything was uh, pretty good in Fort Worth over the weekend with the PGA Tour. Uh, it just, I, I don't know, it, it feels a little bit more real, even with the NBA stuff, uh, seeing pictures of, like, how it's all going to be set up. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of excited. I think that I would love to be quarantined I had, I've had in their situation. Rain, but I've, I've also been like, Rona depressed as well, so I think I'm I'm starting to finally pull out of it. I can't imagine you when you've been cleared. You're just going to be out every night, aren't you? I mean, not every night. I, I still have to get up in the morning, but uh, I think I'm going to have a couple beverages on Friday for sure. Well, I think that about does it. I've... Uh, Got a pod to get up. Josh is going to dream about becoming a woodworker someday. Josh, you watching Premier League today? Oh, you better believe that's happening. I And I can't lie, I am hopeful they are going to go with the uh, Spanish League's idea of the FIFA 98 <laughs> fans in the background. That's going to be yeah. stellar if, they, if they'll go ahead and commit <laughs> to that. 
I will say it's 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 kind of almost like scary how real those sounds make the game, if that makes sense. Like I think it does add to the viewing experience, and it looks like NBC's the players are coming out. They have something on the bottom that is talking about uh, the added uh, crowd noise. So I think that they're going to do it. Um, the better question is, are any of you legitimate sports fans are going to watch some actual sports happening on television today? Well, I watched the PGA Tour all weekend, so. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I mean, so that's no. You don't like sports. Okay, fine. fine. I'm, a, I'm an Arsenal fan, so I. Uh, that's I don't know what we we're talking play. about. That's what we're talking about. You suck about. up. <laughs> I picked my soccer team uh, this morning, so here we go. I'm ready to see Arsenal. Got a giant. You just you like the crest. They've got a big cannon on their crest. They look aggressive. How many Arsenal oh. books have you read, Josh? Four or five, probably. Um, I read a lot, like right when I got into it. But I bet I haven't picked one up in ten years. But they are. Eddie, they're kind of they kind of have a you sh- Arsenal's a good pick for you. They're kind of a um, they have some CD like- dealings in in the long in the long uh, distant past. Um, kind of stepped over some people to get some gains that maybe they didn't deserve. There's a, there's a chance it's popular in the league. Uh, same old Arsenal always cheating. So you know they uh, they play by their own rules. I will say man, I will say a great man once said, "If you're not cheating, you're not trying." Josh is the first person I ever met that was just an American dude that loves soccer. And I have to say, I'm pretty impressed that you don't just go on and on about it all the time. I, I know how annoying those people are. Like, I don't want to be one of those guys. Like, you don't like soccer? Fine. Don't like soccer. I don't care. Um, but I, I love, like, it's, it's hard. And I know people are like, oh, it's so damn boring. But, like, the minute it delivers... Like, you get that goal in, like, the last five minutes that just changes the whole game, may, may change the whole damn league. That's that's amazing. Like, there's such delivery that I don't – I mean, like, I'm not going to say, like, oh, it's better than other sports, but, like, in a lot of ways, I think it's unique. I don't mind watching the World Cup when it comes on. But the oh. first time I ever met Josh, I walk into a hotel room, and he's sitting there watching soccer. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? I, I can it's say two o'clock the, in the afternoon and you're watching soccer. Everybody on the board knows me that I, I, you know, knows that I'm a soccer fan. They do not. They also know that I pretty much only drink whiskey during the world cup. I exclusively drink domestic beer and pretty much during every uh, American game have a red, white, and blue American flag bandana on my head. I am truly committed during World Cup. Well, you can't am... drink whiskey all day. I mean, that's a thing. You've got to. So true. Yeah. You, you will die. That, that's... Josh is 100% going to be the biggest soccer dad. You're going to be traveling around with the. Uh, you will like, never you, you will never eclipse Jeremy Crabtree. I'm sorry. No. Jer- Jeremy Crabtree's girls play on like 17 different all-star teams. They are. <laughs> they do. They're, they're really unbelievable. Do. They're really yeah. They, they, I think they're, it's crazy. I think they're pretty badass, though. No, like, I, I don't know if it's all of them, but I know one in particular is really good, like probably going to play in college good. Krabby is, uh, he's going to have his daughters have their school paid for, but he's going to have spent about five times as much as college tuition <laughs> putting him through all these clubs. This is, that is the vicious cycle, like, I think about, like, I've got the girls into 
into swimming. And by the way, great story. Layla almost pooped in the pool during her swim <laughs> class today. So that was a stellar moment in my life. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that was, that's just fantastic. Um, but no, uh, you think about all this stuff like swim class or dancing or whatever. I'm like, if any, if they catch on with anything, that's great. But by the time the 18 years passes, I've paid for their college on all the damn classes and trainers and teachers. Yeah, I can so see that. Welcome, Bob. Girls are way more <laughs> expensive than boys, right? <laughs> Aren't girls more expensive I, than boys? I I would think. Now, I don't know. The it, thing it I'll say on what hair you're looking for. You can get a good price in Europe on uh, really anything. What? <laughs> Oh, I thought you were talking about buying children. Girls are more ex- inexpensive than guys. Oh my god! Using them from so, m- meet the Sooners Day, you know, the usual running out of material from I mean, the Baltic states. Is that what you're talking? At least get a trafficking joke in there at some. I'd think say that that might be the first of your uh, human trafficking jokes in the uh, Sooner Scoop unofficial forty. Way to go, there, Eddie. Just don't get don't get yourself canceled, Eddie. It's it's a tough time in our country right now. I, I'm thankful for every minute that I'm not. It's just a matter of time. I'm helping you by bleeping out all that stuff at the first of the show, by the way. <laughs> oh, when I was giving advice? <laughs> what was that advice again? No, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got Burt Reynolds in at the end. That'll do it. Yeah. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, I'm sorry we don't have more to talk about. Uh, hopefully that will change soon as... Players, what are we? Uh, well, two more pods till players start reporting. So, two more pods. Actually, Caleb Williams. One so. more pod, and then the next uh, two weeks from now will be the first. So that will be the day of reporting. It should be pretty. Hey, cool. I, I I will say that I I got a little clarification. I know that there's people that have been asking as far as are players being tested if they were to come into uh, Norman like now if they were good. I I know Spencer Rattler's back in town. Uh, a couple other guys have, but the way that I understand it, testing will not start until the formal uh, welcoming back of the players, and that would be July 1st. So just for anybody that maybe was confused by that, I know that I definitely was a little bit. So I definitely was because I thought that the whole point of bringing them back in mid-June was to test them so that they'd be ready to go. Well, and I can tell so, you yeah. this, too. I mean, that that is all subject to change, too. I mean, they could at a moment's notice say, okay, well, let's go ahead and do this two days before or something like that. And I that's kind of how I understand it because the the first is – it's kind of awkward how that falls. The, the first is on a Wednesday. Well, I guess just like OCD, me would want everything to start on a Monday. Right. Yeah. But then again, you start on the first. So I, I could see them saying, okay, on the weekend of 26, 27, 28, let's start getting this thing going. That way we can hit it full head on the first. And so. Not to mention that, you know, if they do come up with a early practice schedule, like that date's been all over the place from the 13th to the 26th or 27th, you would need to you know, be 14 days out so you could quarantine whoever tests positive because I'm sure there will be some. Sure. And, uh, you know, I, I it, it would seem that, well, yeah, I never mind. I'm an idiot. Okay. All right. That's going to do it then on that note. <laughs> Thanks to uh, Josh, to Eddie, to Bob. I'm Kerry Murdoch, and we'll see you guys back here again next week right here on the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.